we have an amazing man from uh, Mosaic Church. So please give a warm welcome to Mr. Scott Burbank. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Good morning. How goes it? So, yeah, as you mentioned, um, my wife and I, we're from a sister community uh, called Mosaic um, in the L.A. area. And so we came over from Whittier this morning, and I just want to thank you for uh, inviting us to be here to share with you, definitely. And I wanted to open up in a time of prayer, and then we'll jump right in. Hey, God, thank you for this morning. And uh, I just really, truly want to thank you for every person that's here today. Lord, I just uh, lift them up to you. I thank you for how precious they are in your eyes. Lord, I thank you for the love that you give each one of us, that you care for us. You knew us before we were born. And God, you had a plan for our lives. And God, I just pray that today we would be able to connect more to your heart. Help us to know what you're like. Help us to know how you, how you think. Um, help us to know what you think of us, how you see the world. And Lord, I just pray that you would just help um, each one of us learn something new about you today. Help me learn about you. And God, I just... Um, I really do believe I could spend all of eternity learning something new every moment and never reach the end of you. And so I thank you, God, for, um, for creating me and thank you for having a plan and for even caring um, about me enough not to give up on me. And so I, I just love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Cool. So as uh, Sam mentioned, you've been uh, discussing tribe for the past five weeks. And he had, he had said, would you mind just continuing that conversation? And um, the idea of tribe is, is intriguing to me. So that we're all a part of um, a common community that shares values. We have a common purpose. Uh, we're all a part of a family. And so you even look like Genesis Church, this is a tribe. But Genesis is even part of a larger tribe. Um, and it's a tribe of people who have said, we believe that Jesus is the only source of life. That's the idea. Um, and, and really what we're saying, what we're saying when we say that we're a Christian is we're saying that the way that Jesus lived is the best possible way for a human being to live. It's truly the only way to live to experience life the way that God has designed us to experience it. So think about what that means. That means that when we say we're Christians, we're truly saying that Jesus is the only way to connect to God. And that through Jesus, we get an opportunity to live the way that God's designed us to live. So it's, it's special, and it's cool to think about. I mean, every Sunday, um, you get a chance to come and gather. Every Wednesday, you're getting to come and gather. But when you um, disperse, the, the tribe isn't dispersing. That the tribe isn't just a Sunday tribe, and it isn't just a Wednesday tribe. It's an every-moment tribe. It's when you're at your homes and you're in your workplace. You're a tribe because your values don't, you don't clock out when you leave this, um, this building. Um, you are driven by those values. And Sam has mentioned, I've listened um, to several of the podcasts over the last five weeks. And one of the things that he said is that he's not interested in just playing church. And I don't know about you, my wife and I have mentioned uh, to each other a few times that we feel sometimes like we've been churched to death. Do you, do you know what I mean when I say that? Um, that, I mean, you know what I mean? Like where you can, you feel like, okay, um, we got to get the kids up. It's Sunday morning and um, none of them want to leave the house. None of them want to even get out of bed. We've got to get them fed, get them organized, get them to church. We get here, we rush to church. Um, we, we run in. We don't get to say hi to anybody because we're in a hurry. And then we come in and we, we might sing a couple of songs and then we have to leave because one of the kids is causing trouble in the kids' area. And so we have to run on over there. And, and then we get home and we're exhausted. 
And then there's, there's a lot of responsibilities. When you become a part of a faith community, there are a lot of expectations to serve or to give yourself. And so it seems like sometimes you, we can become so consumed with doing the things that we forget why we're doing it. And I don't know if that's how it is for you. That happens to me all the time. Um, where I just, I, I think the task that I have to do is, um, is kind of, I, I begin to think that that's why I exist. It's to do the task. It's to set up. It's to tear down. It's to speak. It's to sing. And the truth is, those aren't, that really isn't, isn't what we're here for. It means so much more to actually be a part of a faith community and to be a part of a tribe. And I love the idea that God has said, I care about the earth. I care about every human being. And so I actually want to involve you. I want to invite you to to be a part with me, to work with me, to make this world into the place that I've designed it to be, to help people who think God hates them realize God doesn't hate them, to help people who think God has forgotten them to know that God hasn't forgotten them, that he's been present with them all along. Uh, to help people who think that they've lived a life that's been so so um, messed up, to help them, even though they think that God couldn't possibly forgive them, to help them realize that God doesn't hold their sins against them. It's cool, isn't it? So if you were to think about the idea of what is the church, what do we want it to be known for? I think that's a really great question. What is this tribe? What do we want this to be known for? And I thought about this. I thought, okay, we're a part of a lot of different tribes. Um, I'll I'll put one up here on the screen. So this very first one is a tribe that I belong to. Okay, so religiously, um, and religiously, yeah, I'm there at 5 o'clock in the morning, and I'm getting my my wake-up juice. And so I want you to think for a moment. When you see this logo... I'd like for you to share with each other. I want you to think, what are the words that come to your mind? It doesn't have to be positive. I want you to think, what are the words that come to your mind when you just see this? What do you identify with that logo? If you'll just take a few moments and share that with each other, what comes to your mind when you see the Starbucks brand and logo? <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Five bucks? I, I used to work there. So anyone care to yell out what you're hearing? I'm hearing expensive coffee, strong coffee. I heard burnt coffee, bad coffee. Okay, I hear you. It's the only thing close to me. I don't have anything closer. Um, Anything else? What do you hear? Addiction. What's that? Long lines. Absolutely. So anything positive, any of you think? Is it all negative? It sounds like Starbucks has really done something to you. Maybe we need to talk about this later. I'm sorry. Over a, <laughs> over a, yeah, I'll take you guys out to Starbucks. Anyone have anything positive? I, you don't have to. Good place to meet. Free Wi-Fi. Nice people. Gourmet coffee. What's that? Bible study place. First date. Nice. Drive-through, refreshing. So just think, Starbucks spends millions and millions and millions of dollars. Um, they, they want you to identify that logo with something. And for some of you, it's not working. Like their millions of dollars is just like they could just throw it out the window. Um, but they want you to identify it with something. And you do. You identify it. All of us identify it. I want to throw another one up there. This one's not going to be as abrasive. 
want you to think about this. This is another tribe that some of you guys belong to, right? And you can look at your credit card statements and know you're a, a very active member of this tribe. So I'd like for you to think, what do you think of when you see this, when you see this particular brand? <laughs> Identity theft. <laughs> nice. Boy, we, the marketing companies would be like crying today. <laughs> Red card? <laughs> nice. What's that? The fancy Walmart. Night. Target. Clean? What? Wedding registry. Yeah, it's a common wedding registry place. Past due? Oh, yeah. Okay, nice. Okay, nice. Celebrate recovery starts soon. So, anyone else? Anyone else? One-stop shop. Okay, cool. So I'm going to put another one up there. This is just another brand. Um, some, I know this is going to be divisive. I get that. Um, when you think and when you see this particular brand, what do you identify with this brand? Overpriced. Overrated. What's that? Not normal? And you're using one right now. You're pushing buttons on one. Not friendly. Oh, you don't like your iPhone. Wow. I'm addicted. I love mine. How about you? Anybody have anything positive? Yes. Total life hack. Now, do you guys understand that? And can you explain what you mean by that? Ooh. In the palm of your hand. Unbelievable. Yep. So just think about this. This is how it works with brands. And we could go all day. You are inundated with different um, logos that you're supposed to identify with something. And all of you pull out different emotions. If you see this logo, for some of you, it is. It's like, I don't like it. It just doesn't fit me. I, um, it's expensive. You know, they have too much money in their cash reserve. They have more money. They have $160 billion in their cash reserve. That's cash. That's more than the U.S. Treasury. U.S. Treasury only has like $42 billion. So it, they're doing well. Okay, so this is not a message for Apple, by the way. I'm sorry. But... So if you just think about that, that's the way that, uh, that these uh, companies, they intend for us to identify. And so here's what I wonder. If we see the next one that comes up, I wonder then what, is, what do you identify with the church? And don't, you don't yell it out yet. I want you to really think. When you think of the church, what kind of adjectives do you use? Okay, so you use worship. Awesome. Acceptance. Acceptance. Love it. Teaching. What's that? Loving. Awesome. Forgiving. I love that. That's beautiful. Family. Home. I love that. That's so nice. Isn't that cool? Think about it. Like for those first three, a lot of, not sure. And then you have this one come up. Here's why I would wonder. What would your neighbors, what would your neighbors say for this? Would it be similar or would it be different? No, 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 it's going to be different for a lot of you. And that's really what I wonder. I wonder as a tribe, what do we identify with? When people, if they step into our midst, if they meet us, they don't have to come to our, our faith community if they meet us during the week when we're stuck in a long line at Starbucks. What do they identify us as? And one of the things, I, and I don't even know if it's true, it's just something that has become kind of cliche. You ask servers after a Sunday afternoon, how they experience, like, what's it like in the afternoon being a waiter or a waitress? 
And a lot of times they don't have positive things to say. Now, why is that? Yeah, we're hungry. <laughs> yes, we're rude sometimes, yeah. And so all I know is for us, and I love this, that for us, as I ask you guys, how do you identify with church? Your natural instinct is to say, yes, with the tribe, I absolutely think it stands for love. I think it stands for acceptance. I think it stands for beauty and worship. And I love that. How do we convey that message to the world? Because at the moment, if we were to ask a lot of people, and they could, they could be um, you know, misinformed, but if you were to ask a lot of your friends who aren't followers of Jesus, how do you identify with, with a church? A lot of times their answers wouldn't you know, mimic or echo your answers. So how do we actually begin to identify more and more uh, those things? Because essentially, as a tribe, we stand for Christ. And so what I wanted to do today is actually take a little bit of time um, to, to read through my favorite story in the scriptures. Favorite, favorite, favorite. Um, it's in the middle of the scripture. So if you have a copy, it's like right in the middle. It's Old Testament. It's uh, called Jonah. And it's, I love it. Um, it's my favorite. I don't know if I mentioned that. It's my favorite. One of the things I love about this story, and I love it about the scriptures in general, um, the, the Bible isn't really afraid to take its heroes and show you their shortcomings. Um, you know, if you're really trying to convey that God is great, you wouldn't, you wouldn't naturally take the prophets who are serving God and show them as being people who aren't loving or kind or caring. And yet we see somebody like Jonah that's mentioned in a negative light. And it's just beautiful because through the story, you would get to see the heart of God. And God's heart shines through in the story. So Jonah, if we'll just go ahead, I want to share the story. Um, I'm going to share it quickly and then we'll jump into chapter four. So um, what I'll do here on the screen, I'll just show you, I've got a couple of images. So the very first one is that God comes to Jonah and he says, I want you to go to this place called Nineveh and um, I want you to preach to those people. Let them know I've seen the way that they've been living and um, it makes me, I'm disappointed with them. Disappointed to the point that I would actually consider ending their opportunity to live. You know, I mean, that, that serious. But then it says that Jonah ran away from the Lord and he headed for Tarshish. Okay, so Jonah decides, nope, I'm not doing it. I'm running. And he runs in the opposite direction. He gets on a boat. And when he gets on the boat, he starts to head out to sea. And, and then it says that the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. And then I don't know if you remember this, but all the guys that were up on the deck were freaking out. They were worried. And they even ran down and they found that Jonah was asleep. And they woke him up and they said, what, what are you doing? Why are you asleep? What's your problem? Um, don't you know we're about to die? Come on up and pray to whoever it is you pray to and that God, your God would save us. And then Jonah says to them, um, I think I'm the reason that all this is happening. I know, actually, I, I know I'm the reason. If you throw me overboard... God will save you. And they've already thrown everything overboard that mattered to them. They've thrown everything. And for a while they decide, no, 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 we can't do this because we don't want your blood on our hands. And Jonah just says, do it. And trust me, everything's going to be fine. They throw them overboard. The storm subsides. So just imagine what that would have been like for them. And then imagine Jonah, what would that have been like being thrown into the water? What would you expect if you're Jonah? 
It just if you put yourself in his position, I don't know. This is a guess. The scriptures do not say what Jonah thought. Um, it kind of explains a little bit in, in chapter 2 that he expected God would rescue him. But for a moment, really, are you thinking you're going to drown? Probably. And then imagine it says that the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So put yourself in that kind of a position that a giant fish actually comes up out of the deep, swallows you whole. And listen, um, I totally understand. I mean, some of you might be here and just say, look, I don't even know scientifically if that's possible. And that's totally cool. Like I've done a lot of research and there are a lot of people who have that viewpoint. And it's very possible that... um, that it isn't, it, it's something that's not possible. I, I tend to believe it. I tend to believe it um, because it's in the scriptures. But don't even, don't get hung up on that. Um, I definitely would love to talk with you about it, but just imagine this. Imagine for a moment that this fish comes out and eats you. And you're inside of a fish for three days and three nights. Um, nightmare. Um, absolute nightmare. Um, it would be the most confining dark, smelly, um, painful. It would be awful. Um, we tend to think of it being like, um, you know, finding Nemo where, where uh, Nemo and I think it was actually uh, Nemo's dad and Dory are inside of the whale and they've got like tons of space. It, it wouldn't be like that. Um, it would be cramped. It would be awful. And it says in chapter two that he cried out to God. He prayed to God. And, and so this is the experience for him. He's not knowing if he's ever going to survive. It says, from inside the, the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Okay? And then God commanded the fish to spit Jonah up on the land. So Jonah actually, imagine what that's like. He's finally getting to see. His eyes would be um, just hurting because of seeing the sun. Uh, who knows if, he's, if his body has been kind of bleached by digestive juices. Who knows um, what he smells like or what he looks like, but it's not good. And, and God tells him again, okay, go. And just a real quick moment, we like to talk about the idea that we have free will with God. Do, um, did Jonah have free will? I don't know, that's just like a question to throw out there. It feels like God's telling him, this is important to me, you're going. And Jonah finally says, it says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord, he went to Nineveh, and then it says this, it says that the Ninevites, they believed God. And a fast was proclaimed, and all of them from the, lead, the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. They even put sackcloth on their animals to show how their animals were sorry. Um, I don't, so just know that his message absolutely landed in their hearts. And this huge city of people, by the way, this huge city that Jonah and his people hated with a passion, and, and rightly so. He had right reasons to not like the city, but they just turned and they chose to follow God. And then that brings me to this. It's the end. That's where I would have ended the story. It, I love happy endings. You know, I loved Inception, but I wish that I would have known whether or not the top fell or not. That would have been nice. But this isn't really how the story ended. And this is one of the things I love about the scriptures. You have this story where this guy says, look, I am not going to do what you want me to do. Those people that you're telling me to go talk to are vile. They're despicable people. They've done horrific things and they are my mortal enemy. And it's, it's not something that I'm even remotely willing to do and that God says, okay, I'm going to work in the circumstances in your life. 
until your heart is ready to go. And then you go and you do it and it's successful. You would think that Jonah would be like, okay, we're done. That was good. Um, Thank you, God. Happy ending. But here's what happens. And this is where we start in Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. I'm just going to read through. It says, "But but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. He became angry and he prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a compassionate or a gracious and compassionate God. You're slow to anger and you're abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. So I want you to think for a moment. What tribe is Jonah a part of? And I'm not, that you might know what of the 12 tribes, but what nation or what people group does he identify with? What's that? Israel. So Jonah would consider himself a member of the tribe that belongs to God in God's heart. And so Jonah is giving us insight here into why he didn't want to go to Tarshish. And his insight is that he knew that if God was sending him, that the people of Tarshish might turn their hearts and might actually be forgiven by God. And to him, that was unacceptable. Because he was saying in his mind, there are certain people that don't even deserve God's love. Just think about that. And one of the things that is a danger of being a part of a tribe is that you can become exclusive or begin to think that, you know, it's our tribe versus every other tribe. The thing that's interesting about our tribe as Christians is really the goal of our tribe is that every human being that lives on this earth would eventually be a part that would live with us, would be a part of us, would be a part of our tribe. That this would be a tribe that would have no boundaries. And so it's interesting that Jonah is saying, God, I knew you were compassionate. I knew that this is exactly what you would do. And that's why I didn't want to go. And imagine his feelings. He wouldn't want to go back home and tell his friends. They're like, why do you look like this? You look horrible. Man, you look like you've really been through the ringer. What's going on? He wouldn't want to tell them. I was told by God I needed to go to Nineveh and I needed to preach the word of God against Nineveh. Oh, wow, that's amazing. That's awesome. What happened? No, nothing. It's all good. What, how's it going, guys? You guys doing good? Like, I'm sure he wouldn't have wanted to talk about it. So tell us, really, what happened? Well, um, I did. I went ahead and did what God told me to do, and I preached to them. And they, they felt so horrible about what they'd done that the king of Nineveh ordered everyone to, from their animals and every human being to actually ask God for forgiveness. They're sorry for what they did, and God relented. He's not showing calamity. He's forgiven our enemies. And that's the way that he was feeling. That's the way he was thinking. And, and just think how easy it is to feel that way. People that don't agree with us or people that have hurt us, people that um, you know, don't think the way that we think, it's so easy to, to think us versus them. And it's weird because you're getting an insight into God's heart. God's not thinking us versus them. God's thinking like they are with us. Um, they just haven't repented yet, but their hearts, I know, absolutely know that they will repent. I know that they're, they're, um, they're going to turn. And my love stretches beyond them. And so I just love that. And then it moves on. It says, but the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? And Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. 
There he made himself a shelter and he sat in its shade and he waited to see what would happen to the city. And I always wonder that, like, is he just sitting up on the hill looking out, hoping that it'll be shock and awe, you know, that, okay, let's just bring it. Uh, Maybe God's going to go, okay, I feel bad for Jonah. I'll send down a couple of lightning strikes and we'll take care of Nineveh. I don't know what he's thinking, but he's waiting to see what would happen. And then it says, the Lord God provided a leafy plant. He made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head eases discomfort and Jonah was very happy about the plant. So just think that that's fun. It's neat to think of this kind of a story. God causes a leafy plant to grow. But at dawn the next day, God provided, again, you see that word provided. He provided a fish, he provided a plant, and now he's providing a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God, again, he provided a scorching east wind called a Sirocco. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint and he wanted to die. And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. That's how angry he is. Have you ever been angry enough to where you're just like no amount of any counseling from anybody in the moment? You don't even want to hear it. All you want is your opportunity to just like gripe and complain. It feels kind of good, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, that, not any of you. That's not, that, that happens to me. Okay. I'm the only one. It's all good. No, I see. Oh, it happens to you? Yeah. So just think, he is inconsolable. And it's beautiful that God's like setting up this beautiful picture of him saying, hey, you want to be comfortable? Here you go. Here, I'll make sure everything revolves around you, Jonah, because you're the center of my creation. Here's a plant, buddy. Here you go. I'm so sorry that I put you out. I feel bad. I feel bad here. And then here, let me give you a worm. And the worm starts to eat the plant. And here, how about this? How do, you, how do you feel about this? This nice easterly hot wind, these Santa Anas. Here they go. Enjoy. And that Jonah's sitting there going, oh, like this is making me more angry than you can imagine. It's better that I would die than I live. And then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry that I wish I were dead. Right? Shaking his fist at God. And the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend to it and you did not make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. Right? That's your number one concern. That's what you care about. And then he says, and should I not have concern, this is God speaking, for this great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people and they can't tell their right hand from their left? And then he throws this in there. This is really kind of funny. He goes, and there's also many animals. Almost like he's saying to Jonah, if you don't care about the people, then maybe if I tell you there's also animals there that are going to die, maybe you'll care about the animals. And I love this, that God's creating this beautiful picture. And imagine if you're an Israelite hearing this story, you're you're identifying with Jonah. You would put yourself directly into Jonah's... um, body for this story and you'd think this is a story where god is absolutely yelling at me and i don't mean yelling like he's scolding but god is like screaming out loud here's a message i want to deliver to you this is it and i just i love that god is saying to him i handcrafted every individual in nineveh and you hate them with a passion, and uh, you, you, can't, you couldn't care less. You're apathetic towards them as a people. You wish, actually wish bad on them, actually. So even beyond apathy, you wish that bad things would happen to them. You don't even care if I wipe them off the map. And, and, and you think about it. Think in our world. 
Are there people, have you ever in your mind, and I know I have before, you see people doing evil, horrible evil, and, and my first instinct is to go, wipe them. Like, just wipe it off the map. That would solve the issue. That's what, that's what Jonah's going through right here. There's this idea where he's saying, those are human beings that have done horrible things against you and against your people. They don't even deserve to live. And you get a glimpse into the heart of God right here. Because the heart of God the heart of God is patient. The heart of God is filled with love. And these people who in Jonah's eyes do not even deserve to live, God sees them as being individually crafted and created. And God says, I want to use you to help me bring them back, bring them back into the tribe. I want you to be brothers with those people and sisters with those people. I want those people to be a part of your tribe and your family. And you're getting in the way. And you're getting in the way because all you really care about is is your comfort. And you think God should only think the way you think. And guys, I'm not saying this just, I'm saying this to me. Like, there are so many times I imagine in my head the way that God would respond or what God would say. I even make statements like, you know, well, God says, and you know, well, God, well, I have to be careful about that. When I'm speaking on behalf of God, I have to be really, really certain that I'm speaking on behalf of God and not, not just from my own personal likes and interests and dislikes. And so I love this story because we begin to get an idea. And think, when you hear about the Old Testament God, how many of you have ever heard of, of God and you thought, well, man, it seems like God is angry and, and it seems like, but then when you see in the New Testament, here's Jesus. Truth is, when you read the scriptures... God is not angry. God is so overflowing with love. God is absolutely not changed from Old Testament to New Testament. Um, God is doing everything he can to win over the hearts of the people that he's engaging with. And so I wonder whether or not as a tribe, God is inviting us to be a part of something that's way bigger than we could have ever imagined. What if God is inviting us to reconcile people who are far away from him with him? God could do that himself. I mean, don't you think God could, if he wanted to, come down and make himself purely plain and visible to every person and say, hey, hey, by the way, I love you and I care about you and, and um, I died for you and I just want you to know, um, I know you don't believe in me, but look, I'm real. I really believe God could, in in a dream, he's done that to many people. God chooses, though, to use his tribe to be the ones who are responsible to be his ambassadors. And I love it because you look at somebody like Jonah and you go, oh, like, that's me. Uh, Okay, I don't even want to have anything to do with that unless, unless it's like super comfortable and easy for me and these are people that agree with me. So I wanted to take a moment and read... Um, just a quick passage in 2 Corinthians that I just think is, is beautiful. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it just says this, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, 
who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It it talks about the idea that we've been given a ministry of reconciliation. And what I hear when I hear that is this idea that there's a brokenness, there's a gap between God and the people that he created and he loved. Um, Have you ever met somebody, and maybe some of you were this way, I... Um, I know many people that have been this way where they've said they would shake their fists towards God. Um, And it's understandable at times. You go through things in your life that are heartbreaking and you feel like God's nowhere to be found. And so you shake your fist and say, God, why have you allowed this to happen to me? Or God, I hate you. Imagine imagine the the task or the the opportunity we've been given to be a person in that person's life that helps them to see that God is overflowing with love for them. Um, Imagine what that looks like to be able to be someone that can um, go to someone who's going through tough times and just actually represent, be an ambassador for Jesus. Act and be exactly how Jesus would be in those moments. Um, Show love to people who, in your mind, don't deserve love. And what I love about this is that God... God, in a way, was trying to help Jonah see that, hey, um, I've, like, you're a part of this tribe. Like, it wasn't through anything you did. You're just here. Um, And I'm speaking to you, and I'm giving you this opportunity, and I've given you opportunities. Like, I've given you second chance. And I've probably given you third and fifth and seventh, and, and I've never given up on you, Jonah. And I never will but you're mad at me now for choosing to give a second chance to a group of people that you hate. And I wonder like, if, if we just stop for a moment and think about the way that God has given all of us second chances. Um, it's, it's unbelievable. It's undeserving. Um, guys, we truly have a Father in Heaven who loves us passionately truly. And just imagine, if that's true, how that affects and influences everything we do. Imagine what that does for us, that we have an opportunity every day to to live in that and to to practice what that means. And rather than living into, well, I should love this person or I should do this, it's more of a, I get to, I, I actually get to I get a second chance. I get a third chance. I get a chance to to live connected with the Father in heaven. And then take that even further. Imagine how cool it would be to see yourself as as a conduit, as um, a channel of the endless love of God. What would that look like if your life looked like a channel where you were actually getting to express love to people um, just as much as you wanted. 
If you could every day just say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to intentionally just show this person love, forgiveness, respect, care. I'm going to offer encouragement. I'm going to compliment. I'm, I'm going to um, do anything I can just to let these people know you are special. You are incredible. God's created you and designed you and loves you. What, what kind of opportunity would be better? I mean, this is what God's created us to live. This is the kind of life God's created to live. It's like we get to usher in heaven before we ever even get there. We don't have to wait till we die to go to heaven. We can begin creating it now. And you think of how much our mindset is, well, this life is terrible, and so we need God to evacuate us from it. And so someday, off in the future, we'll be in heaven with God. And I don't even think that's the message Jesus taught. I think the message Jesus taught was heaven begins now. My kingdom begins now. Usher it in now. Let's start living now as if that's a reality. Can you imagine if that's the way we lived, how the world would identify our tribe? And I love that opportunity. And so let me just read that one more time and then we'll close. Um, From now on we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. And therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was revealing the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and entrusting us to the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We make his appeal through us, or God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I love that it just says, be reconciled to God. Um, I I don't know um, where you're coming from. I I really don't know your story. Um, It's very possible that in your mind, and it could be that you've learned this in church. And if it's the case, I'm sorry. And it's, it's not from Sam. I mean, it's just through our lives growing up, we, we hear things like, um, you know, we have to jump through certain hoops in order to love, get God's love. I don't know, maybe some of you really do genuinely feel like you're not doing enough for God. Um, and you, you walk around with the shame or this guilt of, uh, if I just did more, God would love me. Or if I just acted this way. And I, I just want you to know, To be reconciled with God really truly just means knowing that God accepts you and loves you just as you stand, cares for you just as you stand, and not one thing you could do to make him love you more or love you less. And I believe that that is 100% the good news. I mean, isn't that good news? It is. It's unbelievable. And so to be reconciled to God just means uh, to go, okay, I'm there. And it might take you uh, a lifetime to to actually come to terms with what that means. But just to go, you know what? I don't have to do a thing. There's nothing I can do to impress him. I can't. And he's not asking you to. Um, All he's saying is, I love you. Stop running. That's it. That's the idea of reconciliation. Just don't run. Just know that what you think you're running from is actually the ultimate source. It is the ultimate source of love and um, meaning. And you're running from it in pursuit of a lot of empty things. So be reconciled to God. 
And then when you're reconciled to God, just live in that love. Live loved. Try as hard as you can every day to actually push away those feelings of, of shame um, and I'm not good enough and I should do this and I should do that and just rest in God's love. And that overflowing love is actually the greatest motivator to begin to see people through the eyes that God sees us through. Because that's the way God sees you is the way he sees everyone, even people that hate him, which is amazing to me. People that spit in Jesus' face and put a crown of thorns on his head, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. It's, it's unbel- that is the message. When God came to earth as Jesus, he was demonstrating that this is what it means to be human. This is exact example of what it means to live the way that God's designed us. Forgive your enemies. Love those and bless those who curse you. Um, if somebody strikes you, turn the other cheek. All countercultural stuff. And it's this idea that we're all called to, to be a tribe that, that lives out that message. And so today, just as we close, I really want to encourage you, if, if you feel like you're running, um, I would encourage you um, to consider not running anymore. Um, don't run from your father. And, and I promise you, um, and maybe some of you have like a, a negative concept of, of a father. So just know that this is your heavenly father. Um, he's perfect and he loves you. And then if you have already done that and you say, I've already, I'm reconciled, maybe the prayer today would just be, God, can you just change my heart? Um, I want to be more loving. I really want to express that more often. And guys, all of us are going to screw up. There's going to be all, all of us, for all of us, times where we get impatient with our spouse um, or where we get impatient with our kids or where we say something just on the moment. And it's, I get that. But we get an opportunity while we're on this earth um, just to, um, to be a conduit of more and more and more love that comes from the Father. So let's pray and, um, and then we'll continue on. Hey, God, this morning... Um, I, I do first just want to begin just to pray for those that maybe the idea of uh, running from you, that's something that that they can relate to. And I know I've, I've run from you before. And even since I've come to know you, there have been times I've run. Um, but God, I just pray for those that are in here that say, yeah, that, that is me. That God, that this morning uh, you would just speak to their heart. Um, that they'd have a, a real experience where they know um, that they're hearing from you and that, God, they would know that, that they're forgiven, that they're cared for, that they're loved. And, um, Father, I just lift up those people that, and I just pray for them that, that this morning that they would find somebody, that they would just take a moment to share with somebody that, hey, today I just stopped running. And then for, for all of us, this entire room, Lord, I pray that would you just help us to learn how to, um, how to believe that, that you would love us. Um, I know that intellectually I believe it so often, but God, then to actually live that to where it's part of the way I, I move and live is just such a different thing. Um, God, I just pray that you'd help me to, um, to start to see people and to, see, um, to even see myself through your eyes and through your lens. And God, I pray for the people who um, are our enemies on this earth and who we've kind of uh, set up as our enemies. Lord, I, I pray for people who are doing horrible, awful things and 
And Lord, I just lift up those people that seem like they're so far from you. Father, I just pray for them. Uh, I pray that, that, God, their hearts would change. I pray that, um, that they would come to recognize that, um, that, God, they're living a life thinking that they're serving you or maybe even running from you. Um, but, God, that you'd help them to see who you really are. God, I, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this faith community. Uh, Lord, I lift up Sam. I just pray that you'd keep him protected and safe and bring him uh, safely back. Lord, we just uh, thank you for this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks. Thank you.